Hello and welcome to Two Geeks Talk Movies. I'm your host, John, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joanne. Hey. Hey there. Right then, this week's, or rather, Fortnite's podcast is one of Joanne's favourite movies, which is... Pet Cemetery. Yeah, hey, Pet Cemetery, 1989. That is not the shitty remake. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, that remake is... You know, that remake, that remake is fucking awful. I mean... I watched it out of curiosity and wished I hadn't. Have you seen uh, Pet Cemetery 2? Yes, it's okay. It's... It doesn't match up to this one, but it's okay. Oh, it's also fucked in, in, in the head, that thing, where... Mm. Uh, where Eddie... What's his name? Eddie... Furlong wants to have sex with his mother. I'm like, who okay then? Yeah, it's like, um, let's just turn this off and move on with our life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 very much so. But anyway, have you read the book for this? Uh huh. Is it as good as this movie or is it better? Because I've heard some people say it's, it's better. You know, it's, 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 is it as good as the movie? No, but it's not a terrible book either. They're almost it's almost like um, it's almost like they're taking the book and put it directly to screen. So for me, that he, mm. you know, I would, to, I would go on, but it's a great movie, but it's an adaption that doesn't it doesn't travel as well. Mm, mm, for me. Yeah. But it's almost like if you've, I take it you haven't read the book, but it's almost no. page for page, scene for scene, sort of, which you don't normally get with, ad- with adaptation. Well, that's because Stephen King wrote screenplay. Play yeah. and he demanded it stick to his book. So, because no, hmm. he was on set constantly. Yeah, because he's in the movie. Yes, yes, he's in the movie. Yeah, for a blink you'll miss it, Calio. Oh God! But yeah, he was demanding that everybody stick to his script, mm. uh, which is why the script's a bit slack here and there. You know. Yeah, I think it because he said once that this is his favorite book he's ever written, and it holds. Scared him the most, so maybe that's why he was a bit, you know, defensive over it and be like, well, if you want to make it a movie, you take it page for page and scene for scene. Okay, then. fair enough, then. fair enough. Um, I was going to say, by the way, is the Wendigo a big thing in a book? Because I've read, or I've done research for this podcast, I was reading about things that were cut out of this movie because apparently Paramount, um, was the name Mary Lambert, gave in a two hour and 35 minute cut and Paramount cut a lot of it out, including the Wendigo. Now, is that integral to the book? It's not It's not a big part of the book, no, but it does make an appearance, yeah. I get him, I get him, I get him. Well, speaking of Mary Lambert, did you know she was a music video director before she done this? I did, I, I read that somewhere. She was Madonna's go-to music video director. Yeah. Uh, she done, uh, like, a version. What the hell's that one called again? Uh, La... Fuck, I can't remember what that's called off the top of my head. Moving on. Basically, all her 80s stuff and early 90s stuff she done. <laughs> ah, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Borderline, that was one I looked for. She done, and various other stuff. She also done a few Eurythmics uh, songs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, she was mm. a music Which made me kind of nervous when I watched this again, because I was thinking, this is her first movie, and she's used to doing like music video stuff, which shows in Pet Sims 2 a lot. Mm. You know? I mean, all yeah, the dreams. Uh, uh, yeah, I can see what you mean. Quite a different to do music video, to do a proper mm. series film and a horror at that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, for what we were reading earlier, apparently she was a bit, bit of a perv with the uh, lead male, Dale Midkiff. 
she wanted him to be shirtless as much as possible and she wanted him to sleep naked so that nightmare dream he has when he walks into the the pit cemetery with that ghost uh, Pascal. He was supposed to be naked now, but they said he'd no make him shirtless. And then they said, no, 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 no. It has to be he's wearing clothes. So they put him mm. in scrubs. And I was like, oh, kidding. And she wanted to show him as naked as she could in the bathtub. I'm going, okay, love, calm down just a scooch. Yeah, he calm it down. It had been a while since you'd seen a naked man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I read this morning that it was supposed to be Bruce Campbell originally so that would have been an interesting movie that, that would have could, could you imagine if that was made with him and the, the guy mm. the lead? Mm. I mean this was after uh, Evil Dead 2 but before mm-hmm. before the Xena stuff before it went on the whole B movie crap so I'm not sure would this be better with Bruce Campbell or not I mean mm. I think it I don't know if it would have made the movie any better, but it certainly would have made her career better. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not mm. sure at all. Um, but like I said, yeah, Minnie Lambert was a bit of a perv to him, and I was going, we get it. He's a pretty boy with a good body, but come on. Jeffy Rose sitting perv I'm going, I'm like, Yeah, like, come on. Get a grip. Sexual harassment in the workplace. Come on. Yes, yes, sexual harassment. Yeah. I don't say that. He's a bit of a plank of wood. He's a bit dull in this movie, you know? Oh, God. His acting is terrible. There was mm-hmm. something that I was just looking at it going, like, what are you doing? You're mm. not. You know, there's that whole scene where um, he's trying to tell his daughter that, yeah, your cat's fine. Your cat was on the porch. and. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's clearly trying to portray like hidden guilt, and I'm like, why are you look? Why are you acting like you're forced to be on that set saying these lines? Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, it just wasn't working. He was a plank no. of wood, basically. I mean, he was basically just a pretty boy plank of wood with no acting mm. credits. Imagine saying that Denise Crosby wasn't wasn't any better. I thought she was boring and I was like, what the fuck? What will happen yeah. to your acting chops, love? I mean, did you put in the fucking Enterprise? <laughs> I mean, at least she could do at least basic facial expression to show some emotion. Mm, mm, yeah, true. You know, true. whereas him, it was like watching the wall trying to act. Yeah, that's very, yeah. very true. That's very, very true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going, hello, emotion, try something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, try it sometime. Mm, mm. Right, so let's dig into the facts and figures then. With its $11.5 million budget, this thing pulled in $57 million. And would you say that's a success? I'm not sure. $11 million to $57 No, I would say it's kind of medium. Mm, mm. I mean, I mean, this was, what, 89? Yeah. So horror was kind of flatlined. It was kind of dead. It was kind of mm. plateaued off. So, mm. Anyway, as I said, starring Dale Mitkiff. Denise Crosby, Michael Hughes, Fred Quinn, and Brad Greenquist, directed by Mary Lambert. Again, first time director, so I was kind of cautious of this, you know. Mm. I mean, is this, when was the last time you watched this thing? Was it? This um, week? Apart from earlier on today, I watched this <laughs> last week just for fun. Okay, 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 okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I watched this a way back in 2019 from my own podcast, which I covered it. And that was the first time I watched that in a good 20 years. Mm. And all I remember about it was the creepy little boy, the freaky mm-hmm. cat, and the 
bizarre sister. Yeah. That's all, all I remembered about it. Mm. Anyway, wait, let's go into the plot. A young doctor and his family move into their dream house in Maine. After a few months, their one-year-old son is run over by an 18-wheeler due to the fact the house looks on onto a road connected by the highway. Luckily, unluckily for him, an old man across the street knows of a magical cemetery that brings the dead back to life. Now his little son is an undead killer. When his wife dies, he buries her in the same fucking graveyard. Will he ever learn? Why did he build a fucking fence on that thing? Mm. And how in the hell do you know if a cat's possessed or not after all the selfish, nasty, disgusting, vile creatures when they're <laughs> alive? <laughs> That's not nice. I like cats. <laughs> cats are vile creatures. We've just sorry. lost 80% of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stand cats. Cats are the most selfish creatures on a planet. I mean, for crying out yeah. loud. They're also the most independent. If I love them, I'm desperate to get a cat. Just don't have to walk it. It just looks at you and meow when it won't fed. Yeah, and so, scratch your face off you and bites you and yeah. Yeah, when it doesn't like what you've given it. Mm. <laughs> it looks mm. like you're going, okay, peasant, clean my tray. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't stand cats. Cats are disgusting creatures, but moving on. So when this movie opens up, I was kind of went, is this how it opens up? On plain black text and up pops Pet Cemetery, spelled mm. wrong, but of course, because how what is it? I was explaining the book why it's spelled wrong. Yeah, because children made that cemetery, so children wrote the um, the sign for it. And, mm. you know, ask any child how to spell cemetery, they spell it the way they say it, so they'll say eh, not see. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. Speaking of which, the, the Pet Cemetery itself has a fuck ton of. of dead animals i'm mm. like what the hell is there a fucking guy shooting them over what about 50 uh headstones crying out loud oh yeah gee i know although the when we meet uh judd he said that his dog is in there mm-hmm. um so he which means he uh one of the voices we hear at the start then the very young judd um he has pet dogs in there so you know, it could have been around for, I mean, if you give or take how old the character Judd is, mm. like 70, so it could have been around for at least, you know, 60 years. Mm-hmm. If he had mm-hmm. about 80 dog dies. I mean, I love one of the one of the, grave, the gravestones has this little uh, poem. It was a biffer, biffer, a hell of a sniffer until he died, he made us richer. That's yeah, you know, one I like it, one of the ones, almost like a when they, they're reading all of them, uh, when they're saying all them off at the start, and there's the one about the cat, and it's like, um, this is where my kitty lay. No more he scream and holler. He <laughs> lived five and twenty days and cost me fifty dollars. I'm like, that's genius. Only a oh, child yeah. could write that. I mean, we know it wasn't a child, but mm. you think about it, only a child could sort of write that on their, on their uh, pet grave. I, I think it's I, funny. Actually, I've got down here my notes. Is there a serial killer in this town? Because I'm going, why is there so many dead cats and dogs? You know, my mind went to serial killer because, well, that's why my mind worked. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, that, yeah, I know how you mean. Because any other film you'd be going, it was obviously a serial killer. But for me, the serial killer in this movie is that damn highway. Yes, and why not yes. put a pen at the end of your 
the end of your your um your land before it meets the road or speed bumps hello speed bumps you know for fuck's yeah. sake it's like yeah. jesus christ uh, as I go down here, uh, no, actually, no scratch. The serial killer is a fucking 18 wheeler. I mean, because that thing exactly. was yeah. into hundreds of. I mean, oh my god. Um, oh, one thing I don't get, right? Uh, what's his name? Is it Lewis? The guy's name is Dale McCarthy. Yeah, the doctor. Uh, the first thing I would have done when he bought a house was, or actually, when I viewed a house, was where the fuck's the fence? There's a main road there leads to the highway and there's speaker mm. here at 80 mile an hour. Where the fuck's the fence? Yeah. I would have a fence in, in a week of owning that property, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and it's... even on highway, don't they have a speed limit? And, you know, it's not counted as a highway. I've got a house on either side of it. So yeah, I mean, it's a normal public road. So it's, it's pedestrian why, area. Yeah, so why are they driving down at, you know, like a hundred mile an hour. Like, come on, people. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, hello, fucking speed bumps or something like that. I mean, bearing in mind, this is the 80s when most of these cabs are, were driven by uh, sleep-deprived, coked-out-of-their-mind fucking guys hauling around tons of, of what the hell they're, they're doing, oil or, or wood or whatever it is, in the back of their cars. And they're going down these highways and, and side roads fucking... 90 mile an hour, so I was, like, I was going, hello, is there anything that this town could have done? I'm sure the hell after the 20th dog. <laughs> after the second, they should have been mm. like, right, hold on a minute, there's something we need to work on. Mm. Mm. Exactly, not, exactly. Not get, not start some sort of p- petition and get the 18 wheeler rerouted. Mm. Exactly, I mean, it's ridiculous. So anyway, like I said, it's up pulls on his little um, estate car is Dr. Lewis Creed, played by Dale Mitkiff, who apparently done a lot of softcore porn sort of movies after this. So I was like, okay then. Okay then. As we said, he's basically just a plank of wood, but mm. he's good looking, therefore, you know. In the car, we have his wife. Um, what the fuck's his wife's name? Rachel. Played by Denise Crosby of Star Trek Next Generation fame, who she left to do this movie, thinking this movie was going to kick off her career. Unfortunately, it failed. Oh, she no. has a pretty lackluster career, to be honest. You know. Oh, dude. I mean, could you not just taken a hiatus and then mm. did that and went back? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if it could be Star Trek, her her career kind of flatlined. Yeah, know? especially after this. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In the car also is their daughter, Ellie Creed, played by twins Blaze and Bo Berdal. And I'm sorry, but these two little girls worked my last nerve. Her voice went through me. Oh, those little girls are the most mm. annoying thing I have watched in a while. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just... By, by, the, um, by the end of the first scene, when she falls off the fucking rope swing out. I was willing her to just walk into the road and take a nap in the middle of it. Yeah. Just yeah. to get I mean, rid of her. I'm going, sweetheart, you cuffed your little knee. It's like a wee, teeny wee scratch. She's screaming like her fucking legs hanging off. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's not cutting in half. You're not losing a leg and you're old enough to get the fucking thing look safe enough to go swinging on before mm. you jump on something that's been there since before you were born, probably. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. And also in the car is young 
the youngest brother, Cage Creed, played by Michael Hughes, who I knew from New Nightmare. Uh, he plays Heather Langenkamp's son. Uh, he was also in Kindergarten Cop uh, and Rickard Rising. Although after this this movie, his career kind of took a nosedive after the nightmare. You know, so I'm thinking, what happened to you, mate? So yeah. Mm. And finally, we have Church the Cats, the Notorious Cats, one of fifteen, I think that was. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I knew it was a few that played that cat. Mm. Mm. And he is a Russian blue, not a British short-haired, as it states in the movie. No, he's definitely a Russian blue. Can mm. tell that by his ears. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like I say, um, I love the fact how Ellie, is it Ellie? Yeah, Ellie distracts mm. them so much that... Um, She's like, okay, just wander around the place, da, da 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 And I'm going, keep your eye on that kid. That kid's a toddler. It's one yeah. or two years old. Hello, fuck your little brat, ten-year-old. One person goes for the for the ten-year-old, one person goes for the the two-year-old. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. And why wouldn't you put a fence up? I was going, to, I was screaming at the TV. I was going, to put a fucking fence. Up. You know, there's a fucking eighteen wheeler barreling past every twenty minutes on the on the hour, or well, twenty minutes. Why the hell would you put a fence up, you lazy prick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the first thing I would have done. I'd have been like, yeah, I'm buying the house. I'm also buying the biggest goddamn fence I can. Mm, mm, yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's a joke. I've been to my, my mayor's office and went, hello, get me a fucking fence for this property or put a speed bump up or put a fucking speed, speed yep. sign up for crying out loud. So exactly. It's down to his fault that his son's dead, basically. I mean... Mm. He's a lazy sack of shit, basically. So, mm. so across the road comes neighbour. Uh, he is Judd Crandall, played by Fred Gwynn of the Munsters fame. And I've got to say here, was it me or was that his accent a bit over the place? Yeah, his he's accent hit and miss, but for me, I think he makes a film. He's just, oh, yes. yes. He's the best thing on the screen. But... Um, but yeah, he's accent. There's obviously days where he was able to do it better, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And I will say, um, they dyed uh, Fred Gwynn's hair for this role. Um, yeah, I noticed. So, so they have it. Apparently, all he said was they dyed my hair, put me overalls. I was Judd. The whole deader is better, you know. Yeah, the, the ground was sour and sort of stuff. Oh, no. Accent's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, he takes a shine to Ellie. I was getting slight creep from yeah, that. Yeah, like not sure. Stranger Danger vibe. Mm. Mm, I don't know. I mean, maybe just a nice old man and I'm just being paranoid, but uh, there was kind of something. Also, I was getting, he was like a demon-like sort of thing because he tells Lewis where the pet symmetry is, how to bury things to bring them back to life mm. and that stuff. And I'm going, are you a vessel of evil? You know? No, I, I think he just lived there all his life. He's the, he's the class, he's been there, seen it all character that they're normally in every movie. Um, and, you know, he's just, you know, he he's obviously knew about it because it was someone that told him. So, mm, mm. But, I can, I can yeah. I mean, isn't on the movie they say that his dog came back? Uh, what was it, Dot? Spot or something like that? Spot, which is why if you watch the start of the movie, the, all the children reading off the tombstone, the young boy that read Spots. Okay. Um, 
when he takes the family to the pet cemetery, he points at his own, who that's him when it was read out at the beginning. Okay, okay. Interesting thing for you. Spot is the name of the dog in the Munsters. So it is. <laughs> the, the dragon thing in the stairs. So. <laughs> Is that a nod to that character? That know. must have been that they gave him the the dog called Spot. Must have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've wrote down here, this movie is entirely Lewis's fault. All he had to do was build a fucking fence and you would have no undead killer toddler. It's entirely his fault. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, I mean, it's the classic case of any parent thinking... It's okay, I can always keep one, at least one eye on my toddler. And I was like, well, anyone with toddler, I don't, as you know. But I, yeah. I did it once live in the same house, have my nieces and nephews when they were toddler. And they can be on your living room one minute and halfway up your hallway in the blink of an eye. Yeah, the they are. Yeah, Honest to goodness. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it me? Or uh, I was watching this this morning going... Does Dale Metcalf hate cats because he cannot stand this cat in this movie? Is that a, a, I think the, the cat is meant to be a black cat. I although, see. So I think it's more a fear of black cats. I see. Because um, I was getting either the actor is that great an actor, which he's clearly isn't because he's a fucking terrible actor for this movie, <laughs> or he can't stand cats real life because the way he looks at that cat is going to snap its neck any second. Hmm. And I was going, is that a character choice or is that the actual actor? Yeah, I mean, it's not even explained in the book, but I think he just, it must just be that he's got a fear of, fear of cats or a fear of black cats. Mm. Uh, and therefore, you know, he, he's like, well, my daughter have, you know, distancing himself from it as much as possible. Mm, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, love the fact how when the wife puts the, the little daughter in her, in her bedroom to for tucking in for the night, the cat's in her bedroom, right? Yeah. And Lewis goes outside for a cigarette, and the cat's right behind him. I'm going, well, did the fucking teleport? Yeah, that, that that cat in that tree got me. I swear, uh, I knew it was coming because it's in the book, obviously, as well. Mm. And that cat and that tree, honest to God, I just about fell off my chair. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, you're, you're, she literally just shut that bedroom door, so that cat teleported from the fucking bedroom. Yeah, and, the, and the, the window closed, so it's not a habit, could have just jumped out the window. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah I'd... Because it, it's on the bed beside her. But mm. So either a different cat in the area, or... You know, yeah, like we say, teleporting cats. Mm. Is it possessed beforehand? I mean, like I said, <laughs> cats. Are... <laughs> there's the there's the plot line all along. It was possessed from the start. Mm. Mm. So he goes across the road to speak to Judd as Judd's on his porch smoking and drinking Budweiser, I think it was. And he asks him, "What's with the the trail behind our house?" And he goes, "Oh, it takes you to the pet cemetery because this road is the ultimate killer." Blah 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 blah. I'm going, how do you explain the fact there's goldfish, rabbits and hamsters? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, although yeah. he did he does say the next morning when we when he takes them all down there to show them, he does say that not every pet in here was killed on the road. All right, okay then. You know, okay. the majority were. Mm, okay, then, okay. Then. Yeah. So next morning we meet the nanny. Was she maybe the nanny or was she just a handy man or handy woman? No, I think she was the maid. Are our maids? Okay. Yeah. Missy Dandridge, played by mm. Susan Blomert. 
a place her name. I was getting creepy off her, you know. Yes, yes, a bit creepy, ain't you? I think is she a witch? You know, is she the Wendigo? I mean, what? I don't know. I was getting creepy off her. I think she was just the the you know creepy nineteen eighty um maid. Mm, okay, okay. And I love the fact that she has a really awkward talk with Rachel about how. Uh, if she was more pretty, she would marry a handsome young doctor too and have this big house and all that stuff. And I was going, okay, love, jealousy much, you know? Yeah, like, come on. Talk about green with envy. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. What I don't get, if the pet cemetery is so sacred and it's so dangerous to, to bury somebody who's dead to bring someone back to life, why the fuck does Judge show the entire family the pet cemetery? No, the pet cemetery... Um, not dangerous to dip to dig in. It's if you climb over the rubble behind it and dig in the Indian cemetery. Oh. That's where you know they can reanimate from. That's the one that's dangerous to bury in. Um, the pet cemeteries, you know, just been there for forever. Mm, so okay. it was just showing them that what at the bottom of your um driveway almost mm. had a kind of you've got a cat you're probably going to need this place soon unless it's an indoor cat mm. okay okay that's very interesting although should the real estate agent tell them oh by the way behind your behind your land there's a huge other piece of land that takes about eight and a half years to go across i swear to god when when um lewis or judge takes lewis to the actual pet cemetery or the cemetery or rather behind the pet cemetery it takes like what a whole day to get there i'm like what the fuck how big is your land <laughs> you know, <laughs> know. Uh, yeah I, I totally agree though that should have been on the deeds you know just behind your your land there's a pet cemetery and behind that there's a bit, fucking eight miles of space and then there's another creepy ass yeah. haunted ground i'm like oh for fuck's sake ridiculous <laughs> So Judd talks to Ellie as she asks what's on the gravestones and he says he read a book back in the 20s that tells him that the place, the sort of the graveyard speaks to him because the place is where the dead speak and that, f- that scares her. I'm going, what sort of person tells a fucking nine-year-old or eight-year-old or she's supposed to be in this thing that he hears ghosts speaking to him from a graveyard? Well, there's a yeah, fucking right behind her house. I'm like, mm. you fucking asshole. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't have been saying that to her, but that wasn't what he meant, though. He meant by just reading the the um, gravestone, then you can almost get a sense of who the about Hannah, about her human one, who the person was, and then the pet one. What mm. you know? What who 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 the cat or dog or goldfish if one of them belonged to? I think he meant metaphorically by reading the gravestone. Had just been nine years old, she didn't hear it like that. She heard that uh, you hear ghost, and they were like, mm. no, mm. don't be mm. stupid. Okay, okay. And he tells her about heaven and hell, and I was going, okay, then this is not a conversation for a nine-year-old to talk about in a fucking graveyard for crying out loud. Yeah. But moving on. And she whines and moans, but Church is my cat, not God's cat. He can get his own goddamn cats. I'm like, okay, love, calm down. Shh. I mean, God, the acting of her is, as I said, that, that voice that threw me, I was like... Uh, oh. That voice, I mean, no one can see those twins didn't definitely throw themselves into the character because I was, like I said, I was willing her to, you know, walk onto the road. She was just so annoyed. That voice, you know, pure, mm. m- she visited the pet cemetery once, and suddenly she she uh, she suddenly realised the mortality level of a pet, and started screaming about how 
God can get his own cat, and you're like, mm. crying out loud, calm down. Yeah, yeah, it's like, calm down, right, love my lord. Oh, the fact how uh, Mary Lambert had to get these kids to cry, so she had to pay them money to get them to cry. <laughs> pay them money? Yes. She, she paid them extra to get them to cry on cue. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, seriously. I see. She could have got away with giving them a quick clap across the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but, next, the next morning, Ellie whines to her mother. She's a whiny little bitch in this movie, to be honest. A whiny little brat in this movie. I don't want to go to school. It's not going to be like in Chicago. Where's all my friends? Oh, boo-hoo, love. I mean, for crying yeah. out loud. Your father well, has yeah, to... Yeah, yourself. Mm, your father had to go to Maine to get a job, so suck it up, buttercup. I mean, yeah, Christ exactly. almighty. God almighty. And then she tells, I love this, this line she comes up with, when the, the father takes church to the vet, she goes, Daddy, is he going to get his nuts cut off? I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> that line is just hilarious. I mean, I love the fact that she doesn't, she doesn't know about death, but she knows about neutering cats. Yeah, that I'm like, oh, what? for fuck's yeah. sake. We do find out in the very next scene, though, that it was the maid that told her that one. Oh, was it made up of his judge? Yeah, because right, okay. when, when he's putting Church into the back of the car, he says to the maid, you know, he basically says to the maid, I didn't like you telling her that line, mm, mm. you know. I love the fact how he goes, I don't worry about it, Church will be fine, but once he gets his once he gets his balls cut off. Yeah, mm. because cats never wander off, you know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, dear God. Uh, by the way, I was getting tension be- between Lewis and Rachel. Were they on their last legs? Were they heading for a divorce? Oh, I think they were. But yeah, there is tension played out uh, there that almost like, uh, you know, almost like, uh, almost like one of those marriages where they should have just divorced. Mm. Also, stick around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, was she pregnant? Because to say how she was throwing up every morning and she's being very edgy and very moody, I was thinking, is she pregnant? Is she pregnant? I thought that as well, but it's never, we never find out she mm. that, so. Because isn't it later on in the movie, after Cage's death, that he gives her a few pills? And she goes, oh, no, 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 I don't want to take them. He forced her to take the pills. So, was she pregnant, you know? Maybe. Definitely got the signs of it. Mm, mm. So anyway, so it cuts to the good doctor's new job as he's a, what is he, a university doctor? Is that what he is? Yeah, doctor in a college, basically. Because yes. I took, the first time I watched this movie, I thought he was the actual town doctor. I was going, why is the town doctor at a university or college? Um, then I realised, oh, he's the, the on-call doctor. I see. Mm. Okay, okay. And this is where we meet the unfortunate Victor Pascal, or Pascal even, played by Brad Greenquist, who was run over by an 18-wheeler and just speeds off. I love that one. He just hits the guy and speeds <laughs> off like, what the fuck? Yeah, God, he must, he he should be, you know, mushy. They shouldn't be able to lift him up in one piece if he were ran over by a, you know, um, mm. uh, an 18-wheeler that didn't stop. I love the fact how they actually moved the body. They carried the body from where he was knocked, knocked on, uh, knocked over rather, on the roads, all the way to the fucking university or college. What the fuck? Leave him on the side of the road and get the doctor to him. Don't bring yeah. him to the fucking you idiots. I mean, it's oh like, my god. Yeah, like move him out of the way of the road and just phone a goddamn ambulance. Mm, 
Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous. And apparently, this this is what I loved about doing some research. Apparently, when he was in full makeup with half his skull hanging off, none of the actors sat next to him having lunch. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Although that makeup changes about five times for this movie. Yeah, I know. Because when he first dies, it's like his entire half of the skull is hanging off. It's all behind his ear. Mm. Always, it's all falling off. And then later in Lewis's nightmare. He has, like, part of his brains exposed and his arms hanging off the shoulder. Sort yeah. Of to imply that he's dislocated his shoulder. And then later, it's not like a small little cut he has and one of his eyes is, is clouded over. And then later, when he attacks Rachel, or rather gives Rachel the, the sort of nightmare vision of her older sister, he's got, like, a teeny little crack on his, his skull. And that's it. I'm going pick the fucking makeup and go with it, you know? Yeah, that like is, you know, whether he had a ghost or a dream throughout the movie, his injuries should still be the same if when yes. he brought yes. into doc- to the doctor, so, mm. you know. Mm. So I couldn't make up my mind. Was he just a ghost trying to help Lewis um, oh. after he died, or was he death? Because how come he's able to foreshadow Judge's death mm-hmm. and repeat word for word what Judd says to him after that? I think this is Stephen Kingland. I have no idea. I mean, okay. because I was going to ask you that. Is he actually in the book? Is he, is this he is in the, the book? book and I can't figure it out. <laughs> I think he's... Uh, part of me think he's a representation of death because when he... When he wakes Judd up from his bed, um, that's not a dream. He wakes him up and he he, he kind of warns him, don't bury anything over there. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't say why. He just says, you know, and he just say, don't bury over there, basically. And um, and then he for and then he he um, what's it called? Because when Judd digs up um, Gage. He's right there. He can see Pascal. Mm. And then he repeats to him word for word what Judd says. So I'm like, I've never been able to figure out if he was just a representation <coughs> of death. You know? I have no doubt. I mean, I just took it as Ellie has psychic powers, therefore The Shining. Mm. Um, Judd's an alcoholic, therefore... I don't know, any Stephen King character. I know. <laughs> Insert Stephen King <laughs> book movie here, I know. Yeah, um... The Doctor is a bad father. Again, any. I'm going to go for a shining for obvious reasons. Yeah. And an undead animal, uh, Kuju. Or Kojo, there's that fucking thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, Stephen King's main? Eh. <laughs> I have yeah, no idea. I have no point. idea about that one at all. Just, yeah. a, just a normal um, resident of Stephen King's main, that's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was thinking that the judge was more of the re- representation of evil because he tells. Um, but then judge, the, I see judge as the good guy throughout this movie. I don't uh, see him as a baddie. I don't know. I, I mean, don't... yeah, he can uh, he he get he get close to Billy Church in the Indian graveyard, not telling him that yeah that cat's gonna be quote unquote mm. alive tomorrow. Um. But he does it out of goodness, like he wants him to, he, he doesn't, he said he certainly didn't think he thought I was ready to experience the death of someone she loved deeply, and that was her cat. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but he did pre-warn him again, you know, burying adult mm. over in that land um, because the the um, the theory is that maybe he uh, not quite uh, not mentioned in the I kind of alluded to in the book and the movie, but not explored. But that's kind of like an online theory that he might have um, found out the hard way when his wife died about burying people in there and them reanimating. So therefore, he okay. Kind of, Okay. Okay. You know. See, I I took uh, this Pascal guy or Pascal, what's his fucking name, as the quote unquote good spirit, and Judd as the evil spirit or temptress spirit or temper. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm I, sure. I, I I see them as the other <clears throat> way round. Hmm. Because Ellie does say this Pascal's is a good ghost, so mm, I'm not sure. I'm not mm. sure. But anyway, back to this movie. As the poor Pascal dies on the table, the doctor turns around and says, I haven't so much as treated a sprain. Hello, how the fuck did he become a doctor then? Yeah, you I can't mean, be a doctor without, without treating anything more serious than a, a sprain in your career. Like, come on, how long were you a doctor before you moved here? Yeah, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. And then, this movie pulls America World from London mm. as he sees Pascal constantly through this movie. Now, is this in his mind? Or is, is Pascal actually haunting the whole family? He's kind of he, he semi-haunting them, but when we first appear to him, he does say, I want to help you because you tried to help me. Before, like, tried to resuscitate him on the table. They said to the nurse, you know, go for an ambulance. And she said, she basically said, what's the point? Practically. Mm. Anyway, you know, like if we've got to do it by the book, basically we've got to try. So I see him, you know, as he he he's you could call it haunting him because he's dead and yet he's appearing to this guy. But I also see it as you know he kind of yeah. Every time you see him, it's really not like grooming. Mm, okay, okay. And I love the little line that Pascal says to uh, what's his name, Doctor Creed. The man, sorry, the soil of a man's heart is stonier than, and just cuts off. I'm like, okay then, so that's weird. Yeah, and then Judd says it later, yeah. exact word for word, so I think so I'm going, ah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So that night, Dr. Creed has a nightmare as Pascal visits him and he tries to warn Lewis, stay away from the pit cemetery. I was going, okay then, so is it the entire ground that's, that's cursed yeah. or just that piece at the back? And then they were pointing over to where the rocks and the tree lead up over behind it, where the ending, don't know why I went off funny with the accent there, behind it, um, where the ending cemetery is, because he kind of led them down there and he was like, why are we here? And he was like, and then he said again, basically, don't, uh, don't bury where the dead don't, where the dead, eh, uh, don't lie or something. It's something along those lines. I should have written mm. the actual quote, but it basically means don't bury in that land over there. Mm. Okay. And I should say, by the way, apparently Mary Lambert wanted Dale McKiff to be either completely naked walking in this nightmare bit mm. or in skin-tight jockey shorts. And apparently what the studio says, no, he will be in neither. So she fought and fought the studio saying, Quote, he's too hot to be clothed. So 
the studio went, nope, put him in pyjamas. That's why he's wearing scrubs to bed. I, I was going to say that if I pyjamas look like scrubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think you're supposed to take it. He just came back from work and collapsed in the bed and fell asleep. Mm. And this, like, I was like, he's now he's dreaming of, of his patient. But like I say, this Mary Lambert chick sounds a bit of a perv. She yeah, wanted to walk around. Like should, they should have taken after the first. Um, the fuck can we have the act on mood? That the moment they should have been going right, we're getting another director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's a joke. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I love the fact how there's a few clever shots here where Pascal takes Lewis down to the the basement and there's a door and he just walks into the pit cemetery. I liked that shot. I was like, oh, that's an interesting shot. Yeah. Um, and then he warns them, don't bury anybody past this this barrier because this barrier is evil, you know. Mm. Um, and I was going, why are you telling that, and you bloody idiot? But then foreshadowing, which he's, he's almost pre-warning them, you know, someone's about to die. We find out in the very next scene it's his cat, well, his daughter's cat. So that's why I was like, is he dead? Because why mm. is he, you know, he, he's pre-warning them, you know, you're going to be visiting here soon. Yeah, yeah so, true, true. True. I love the fact how uh, Lewis just collapses on the ground and goes no, and falls asleep and wakes up in his bed. That I like that kind of that transition. That was quite cool. I like that. Yeah, it was very Nightmare on Elm Street. I thought. Mm. But, but again, why would Pascal and Judd tell them to stay away from this person? Just tell them straight, don't go any further than the the sort of barrier to this pet cemetery just ignore the rest of the land say off that part of the land and just stay in this part of the land instead of saying oh there's evil over there the, the native american spirits will bring back to the what were the demons what the fuck they were but i mean oh, i have no idea i have no idea but i mean why not just tell them you know like that mm. land you know there's something strange about it can anything buried there come back alive mm. not quite the same as what they that they were before they die but it they do come back alive and then, you know, he pre-warned them, not, you know, all the subliminal messages. <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. know what, speaking plain English, go, if your cat dies, don't bury it over there because you yes. see it again. Yes, yes, you it's, a, it's a complete joke. I love the fact how it cuts to Thanksgiving, so it jumps from, what was it, September to Halloween mm-hmm. to Thanksgiving in yeah. a matter of one picture taken down I'm like for fuck's sake so there's no police follow up to this, this student getting run over and murdered basically nope there's no follow up it all happens off, <laughs> off camera mm, mm. and Rachel has yet another go at Lewis because Lewis can't stand her father because her father's a complete dickhead frankly yeah and well, her he father says, can't stand him yeah 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 um, and he says Fam- family thanksgiving is for family therefore i'll be here myself oh that's a bitch yeah. <laughs> bitch slap there isn't it that's quite a nasty it is a horrible there. thing to say to your partner but it was more getting at the fact that her father didn't approve of him i mean i don't know why you had you had doctor I'd, I'd imagine more most um especially in the remember this i thought was made in the the 89 mm-hmm. Say, um, what's it say, like the 70s? I think it's actually the, the 80s. Is it still set in the 80s as well? I think um, it is, yeah. But even then, wouldn't it, have been the, wouldn't it be the dream of every parent um, to want their their daughter, especially to marry a doctor? So yes. Therefore, 
worshipping the, the, the ground that guy, that doctor walks on, never mind going, well, your father doesn't like me, so I'll be I'll be here alone and you go enjoy, you know, um, Thanksgiving with your family. Mm, exactly, exactly. So then Judd calls Lewis to tell him church has been run over. Mm. So did Judd deliberately kill that cat? To test no, the cat just get run, run over by an 18-wheeler. But did Judge like, attempt to kill over and then it got flattened or was it just a accident that night? Well, let's believe it had an accident and it's not alluded to as it being malicious in any way. I need mm. the film or the book, so mm, okay. I'm going to say it's still just an accident. Still yeah. just cat being cat, still like toddlers, mm. you can't keep them in one place. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's very, very true. Um, so, Judge then suggests to bury the cat in a cemetery. Hello, you spent half the fucking first part of the movie warring stay away from that cemetery. Now, bury the cat because your daughter can't realise about death. Get another fucking cat yeah. in. <laughs> well, exactly. Buy an, buy an identical cat before mm. she gets home. She has a way for a couple of days. But, yeah. yeah but, yeah, you know. She fires him as the good guy in there. He obviously did that from a good play. Um, he didn't think she was, although she's nine. And I mean, I know by the time I was nine, I, I was certainly aware of the um, finality of death and what it really meant. But um, she, he obviously thought that she wasn't ready um, to, you know, grasp that concept. So he, mm. but he could have at least, you know, told his told the father what what he was doing when he said like you know just dig here but you have to dig your own i'm gonna sit and watch you but i'm not gonna help you yeah you know which is a bitch move right i love the fact how um it's clearly still summer because all the trees are lush and green oh yeah you know i'm going it's supposed to be late november yeah maybe the end of november yet the the uh, grass is green as yeah Mm-hmm. I love the fact that another thing uh, where Judd takes him to the end so the barrier mm. from the cemetery to the Native American cemetery he goes I can't climb that I'll fall and Judd goes no 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 I've done a time or two so he's buried multiple people in that cemetery then yeah he buried the yeah he's, and he says that um, he he buried his dog why would his dog come back and then he had to um, permanently put, uh, kill his dog and bury mm normal pet cemetery um but he just dog up there to begin with and um it's alluded to that he might have buried his wife up there okay. and then we like it's human obviously like pet come back a zombie um mm. so mm. therefore it probably be not to bury anything up there mm. Mm. i mean i've got down here two, two interesting pieces of information I found. One, the screeching cat noise is supposed to be the Wendigo warning Lewis away from the the this American or the, was it the knickknack? Yeah, the Mitnack. Uh, Indian, what's yeah. called? Uh, Native Americans. And another thing, um, Mary Lambert says apparently Pascal is a good angel, whereas Judd is an evil angel. Hence why he killed church to show lewis the real evil is actually in the other cemetery and that things go back from the dead tempting him to to bring back the dead people you know so she mm. even states that 
She even thinks that he's evil, whereas I, I see them as the other way around again because Pascal is the first one to point out to Lua that, you know, there's something beyond the boundary of mm-hmm. the pet cemetery because you can't really see it until you climb over it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, I like this one. So you go through through the woods. Behind that is a quarry. Behind that is a mountain. And on top of that mountain is a plateau. Fuck that. Just buy the little brat and our cat. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you and think that we struggled to get that cat up there? How did he get his son up how there? Did he get his wife up there? I mean, yeah, I mean, that God. was. I have no idea. No idea at all. And this is where I love the fact Judge just sits there and smokes a cigarette as he's digging through the rock solid ground as it's like magic of sparking over the place. And he goes, This is where the, the Micmac Indians burial ground. They knew the ground was sour. I was like, Oh, for God's sake. You know, <laughs> the, the, the lines in this movie towards the end are ridiculous. I'm yeah. going, Oh my God. It's just ridiculous. Like I said, so Judge just sits there and smokes a cigarette. I love the fact it takes him all day to dig fucking a little shallow grave. How tough is that ground? Well, it's meant to be made of stone. I said, no matter how hard I can't help you, but... Yeah. Mm. Mm. So so he places Church in the ground and covers it over. And he just returns home. The phone is ringing. And I'm going, so it took you all day to dig a very shallow, what was that, two feet deep, if that? If that, yeah. I mean, God almighty, is this guy a weakling, or is this guy just a putz? I mean, I mean, technically, he what, late November, so it could be the late the late night, so, you know. Mm, that's very true. A couple that's hours, and it just looked like it's taking him all day and night. Mm, okay then, okay, fair enough then, fair enough. Uh, this is where I get the evil from Judd as he tells Lewis, the soil of a man's heart is stonier as it flashes to Pascal's uh, ghost figure. You know, mm. so I'm going, is he actually evil? You know, I, I thought he was like a demon or a devil to tempting to have like undead creatures come up, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I need to be open for interpretation. Mm, mm. I love the fact how basically what Judd is saying is men can keep secrets where women can't. Really? I think it was more meant to be men can keep secrets too, or uh, women aren't the only, apparently our women are meant to be great at keeping all the secrets of the world. I can name a few who can, but um, whereas for men it's meant to be diff- more harder, apparently. But... Um, they, so he obviously he's obviously alluding to the fact that on that respect, you know, uh, you know, men are just as good as women when it comes to keeping secrets. Mm, okay, okay. Also, I don't know if it's just me, but I was getting a sort of gay vibe from Judd uh, because he's going, "Don't tell Rachel or Ellie what we did in the woods." I was going. Okay, then, what exactly did you do in that wood? Sort of thing, you know? Maybe yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, mm, you know, he's obviously getting to the, what they did with the cat, but mm. yeah, he does playing it off a little bit more open to him where you go, hey, hold on, I'm brought back mountain, anybody? <laughs> exactly. Same thing going on in the woods up there. That's I went to. I went to, did, did they play Heidi Schnitzel, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, or was it just the fact that 
they buried the cat and I'll come back back as a it's demon. obviously just the fact they yeah. buried the cat, but the way it played and obviously the way mine and your mind works, we automatically went, eh, hold on a minute, what were they doing in Northwood? <clears throat> or is it the fact he's actually an evil angel, you know, who tempted Lewis, and Lewis took the bait, so hmm, there's another interpretation. But anyway, moving on. So, Lois uh, phones back Rachel's parents and he outright lies to Ella that Church is alive. Just tell her straight, the cat's dead. Yeah. I mean, she'll go over it. It's just going to be death some fucking time for crying out loud. And again, Judd hasn't said to him by that point, you know, your cat is going to reanimate. So don't, Mm. he only said, don't tell her that the cat's dead. Now. So at that point, he should be going, well, why? She's going to find out when she comes back. Where he just takes it on value. Not, well, how's, my, how's, how's the cat? Well, actually, I hope you're sitting down. Your cat's dead. Mm. And, you know, because he at that point doesn't know. Um, what the cat that, will come back, you know? Yeah, he at that point doesn't know that that cat buried on a name. An ancient Indian land, and you know that cat gonna come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's another thing I picked up on this. When Ellie hands the phone over to Cage, and Cage goes, "Daddy, I love you." Uh, Lewis just stares into space and just goes, uh, and hangs up the phone. Does that mean he no longer has love for that child? Did no, I did, think did, did Judge? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did Judge Judge rather steal the love out of his heart for the children? You know, because he's he's so cold to Ellie and Rachel. You know what I mean? So did he, and and also Cage. So did did Judd steal the love out of his his soul, sort of thing, or was it the the, the act of burying something that took part of his soul? You know. I think it's the act of burying something that took, it, you know, made him more disconnected. Um. From especially a cage because yeah he that child repeats himself and he still gets a half-hearted you know answer mm. um but yeah it's a bit I couldn't work out if it was the act of burying that made him disconnected or just terrible acting. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it was just me because I was thinking he's acting really cold towards these two children. He's lying. Mm. He's he's his uh, daughter and being really cold to his son so yeah. I'm thinking did Judd steal the love out of his heart or was uh, it the act of bidding the cat and the cursed lands take a piece of his soul you know so mm. I, I interpret it as that uh, the, the act of bidding I, I've never had to bury any any, any pet um, so I imagine that's the act of burying a pet and then lying to the person who owned it um, that it was alive, that it made it maybe feel, made him feel a little bit disconnected. Mm, okay, okay, fair enough then, fair enough. So it cuts to the next day, and Lewis is doing some some gardening. As he's what is he doing, raking leaves or something like that? Yeah. And he goes to the garage for some reason, and Church jumps out at him and gives him the scare of his life. And this acting is terrible on this scene. Did oh. you see that? The facial expressions, this Dale Midkiff pulls. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, mate, what the hell was that? It's a cat, you know? Yeah. Crying out loud. He notices it's actually the real cat. Although I love the fact how earlier Judd says to says to, to um, uh, Dale Midkiff, or rather, what was his name? Dr. Creed. Mm. 
uh, it's your cattle right, it's bones full like ball bearings, and it's neck snapped. Mm-hmm. I'm going, ooh, Karen, how's that cat managed to walk then, if it's if its entire back legs are like ball bearings, you know? Yeah, so, again, the, the magic of the land. But what that what gets me about that scene, you know, he just calmly go and feed the cat, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not the first thing I'd do in that situation, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's sitting there going, I thought maybe I'd just buried it alive. And I was like, mm. I was thinking, I was screaming at my screen going, you peeled it off the grass, we heard it. And then mm-hmm. it, just that line was something very similar. And I was like, oh, come on. Mm. You know? mm. Yeah, although what annoyed me was, it doesn't actually, Judge uh, says to him, you peeled the, the, the cat off the floor like a piece of Velcro. Mm. Um and the cat had a snapped was it snapped back legs? Yeah, snapped it, it, neck? Did, it had a snapped neck, neck and all the all the bones in the head were rattling around like bull bearing. Have that's your cat? You didn't bury it alive, but mm. that's your cat now alive again. But I've got down here. Show don't tell. Show the cat's body like hanging off its fucking. Yeah, you know I mean, because he picks it up and it's a obviously it's a stuffed dead cat when he picks it up. I'm going. Right, that just looks like a stuffed dead cat. It's not like a mm. dead cat. It looks like a stuffed cat. Stuffed cat, yeah. A fake one at that. So, mm. yeah. Um, I love the fact how he goes. Oh, you're just a bit stinky. I, I'll give you a bath, and the cat scratches him in the face. I'm going. It's clearly evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although in saying that, it's a cat. How could you tell the difference? You know. Mm. Yeah, well, in saying that, <laughs> to that cat, you're going to end up with claw marks. I'm sorry, but I can't stand cats. Cats are vile creatures and, and they're selfish and nasty and vicious and vindictive and such. Yeah, I just can't stand cats. But yeah, like I say, I have an ex like that, but I wouldn't say I can't stand it. I just keep my distance. <laughs> Charming that is. So Lewis goes next door to ask Judge, uh, Judge, Judge rather, uh, has anyone ever buried a person in there? And he spills his beers everywhere. Yeah, and I'm going. Why I which is why it is you know the theories everywhere online about that he buried his wife up there to see if mm. she would reanimate and which is why you know a they do and b they come back just as evil as what pictures are buried up there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now interesting little fact for you here <clears throat> i read that mary lambert actually denies sexualizing dale Mitkiff. Right now, I'm calling bullshit for that one right away because after this scene with Judd, it cuts her in a bath in a bathtub. Mm. Now, if Mary Lambert didn't want to sexualise um, Dale Midkiff, why show him having a bath and pretty much show his entire body? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going. Let's face it, that scene, the, that that movie would run perfectly fine without that scene. Mm. You know, mm. it's just a zombie cat giving him a rat in the bath, which shouldn't work because that rat should be a zombie I get as well if the rule well, of being zombie if true is to be well, believed sorry well, I don't know maybe it's a demon and not a zombie but yeah, yeah I suppose it's a good but I love the fact how she says oh no no I wasn't trying to sexualise Dale Midkiff I just thought this is how a character would act I'm going you're a liar but you are a liar all you had to do was show him in the bath like from the the waist up sort of thing not yeah. show him Pretty much fucking he's dicking in it for crying out loud. Exactly, like, not practically showing full, full frontal in the bath as well. Yeah, yeah, but again, yeah. like you know, any 
any half-decent director would have looked at that scene and go, do we need this in the movie for this movie to still be on a path to a conclusion? And any half-decent director would go, well, we don't, and scrap it, whereas she felt the need to keep that in. Mm. See, I, I would have changed it as he's having a shower, right? <laughs> and the cat drops the mouse from at the top of the shower rail. Because they've, that way you, you, you reference Psycho. Hello, every good yep. horror film references Psycho. Who baths in a fucking horror movie? <laughs> it's a shower. And it would also make more sense because how it the hell... It would have more sense for him to get a fright like the way he does. Mm, mm. Also, I, I've got written here, he comes out of the bath completely naked, dripping wet, slipping on the dead mouse or rat, whatever it was. Yeah. I'm going, that's not a good idea, mate. Your dick's dangling that cat would go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's you if you're neutered. That's <laughs> you <know>? it. <laughs> so you're fucked. <laughs> Payback, he got the cat neutered earlier. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I shall have that down here. Hello, the cat would get revenge and you'd be neutered. <laughs> <laughs> So it cuts to a private airport. So is Rachel's family rich then? Yes. I see. Right, okay. Are, are rich in the, in the she's got a poker right up her backside. <laughs> At least I personally think she does. Mm, okay. Okay. I mean, so in the book, are they rich in the book? Yes. Right, okay. Um, they are sort of almost in a way like he married beneath himself. Mm. Well, she, uh, sorry, she's married beneath himself. Although, let's face it, hello, he had a doctor. Especially yes. in the they were, you know, well respected. And hello, he's fucking gorgeous. Maybe yeah. you're batting above your average love, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. And for crying out loud. Because I'm sorry, but I spent most of this movie perving at Dale McKiff's arsonist because his acting was abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's just me being a complete purr but like it says acting in this is fucking terrible i mean especially when when um cage gets knocked over or run over rather he goes no and just, yeah, screams. He just lies and goes no oh, you're like, eh, what are you doing that's your child put a little bit of heart and soul into it yeah yeah so anyway so the family got off the plane and ellie runs over to her daddy and goes where's church and she goes, I had a dream about church dying. Really? Where the fuck are you, Danny Torres, all of a sudden? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, so you're a psychic then? Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, what I've got down in my notes is, so she's psychic then? What am I saying? This is Stephen King. Of course she's psychic. All she needs, <laughs> <laughs> all she needs is grease or bullies, a religious nut, and a writer for The King Full House. Yeah, it's exactly. basically Stephen King's main. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But again, uh, he's acting and trying to tell her that the cat's fine was, you know, unbelievable. Why why any child would believe their parent if they spoke to him in that monotoned way? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, oh, I have no idea. I love the fact how she goes, the cat's stinky. I think I'm in my bath. Get me some cat shampoo. And Rachel says, I'm sorry, but, but cat shampoo is pretty expensive we're going to have to use human shampoo i'm like you cheap bitch get the fucking cat shampoo you lazy bitch you know? yeah like it doesn't cost pet shampoo doesn't cost much more than human shampoo mm, like yeah, yeah. if you're married to a doctor and you come from a wealthy family buy fucking cat shampoo which mm. leads me to think then either the 
cat smells like decomp because maybe in some part of it body that I think cut by Indian magic to reanimate. Maybe it's still decomposing. Yes, it's all yeah. it smells like the ground because it's been in it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's very true. Very true. And uh, cut to the most disturbing scene in this. That's saying something. Missy's hanging over yes. her pain in her guts. Yes. I'm going, you have the quote-unquote handsome new doctor as your employer, ask him for help, you silly bitch. Yeah, but you... he, he, she mentioned she had pain, so any half-decent doctor should have come around and been like, do you want me to take a look at that? Mm, mm. Mm. Like, do you want me to not just completely ignore it? Yeah. And well, she does say, oh, no, 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 it's fine, it comes and goes, it's only pain. I'm going, bullshit, love, get it sorted, for crying yeah. out but uh, I don't know. Like I said, and that hanging looks like shit. If you're going mm-hmm. to have a fake hang, don't show the back of the fucking harness. No, for crying exactly. out loud. Don't show a back shot if you're doing mm. a hanging, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that, that just looked bad. Yeah. And Stephen King cameo, as he's the priest that buries Missy. <laughs> uh, he shouldn't, she shouldn't get a Catholic burial. She killed herself. That's yeah, a mortal did. sin. Yeah, Catholic shouldn't. Catholic hunt um, land entitled to a, a proper Catholic burial to take mm. their life. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. And by the way, it's the next day. How fucking fast was that Undertaker? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bloody hell. Okay. So that night, Ellie asks Lewis if Missy is in heaven. He says no. He thinks she's a ghost. I was going. Wait, what now? You're going to tell your eight, nine, or seven, eight, or nine-year-old daughter about fucking ghosts after you oh. had a go at a judge for telling her about the haunted graveyard? So I think I'm going, yeah. oh my God, who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> oh and it doesn't make sense. Like, any other person would be like, oh, yeah, she's in heaven. And he's like, well, no. And she's like, well, do you, do you believe in like heaven? And he basically says, no, I don't. I don't believe there. I, I believe once you're dead, that's it. And I was like, mm. yeah, I'm not the biggest, you know, fan of children, hence why I don't have any. But I wouldn't be saying to any child, you know, that there's nothing after this. You just, it's just darkness. You know, I'd be going, yeah, fucking clouds and angels. You name it, it's all there. Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, I don't know. He is. He has bitsy manner. Is terrible as a doctor. Obviously, yeah. you know, it's just ridiculous to me. Also, he forces Rachel to, to take a few pills to calm her down. Uh, sorry, not that. That's later. Sorry, that's that's uh, mm. uh, in Kiji's death. Sorry. Um, I have down here later at night. Rachel tells Lewis her family's dirty secret. They've been married for at least ten years. He must know the fucking backstory by now. Well, no, some people can keep down from their spouse for many years. Mm, mm, I'm sorry. But I have to know everything about my partner, you know? Yeah, I'm a bit like that, you know. You know, skeletons in the closet. I really want to know, because let's face it, if it's someone you're planning to be with for, you know, a significant amount of time, you don't want to get, you know, let's Mm. say, 15 years down the line and find out they're a serial killer or someone yes. they're dating yes, you exactly, know exactly uh, anyway so she tells him that his, her elder sister had spinal meningitis and she hated looking after um, her older sister wishing she would die now I googled spinal meningitis 
earlier, yeah. and it doesn't do what this does to you. No, this it makes w- her literally almost like a monster, like mm-hmm. like um those monsters that are in the game. What's the actual game? But it's based on the movie Cabin in the Woods. When you get the monsters at the end, you um. So she did, and yeah, but I thought she, because she was crying in that there, I thought she was um, hinting to that maybe looking after her creepy ass sister, let's face mm. it, um, gave her thanatanato, basically a fear of death, because mm. obviously she watched her suffer and then die. Well, that's very true. That's true. Although I love the fact how, how Dr. What's his face? Fucking pretty boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dr. Creed, with a little pretty boy, someone says, uh, your parents are terrible parents, why would you leave you to look after this mentally ill, um, incredibly sick woman to die? They are terrible parents. Fucking true, they are terrible. Why the fuck would you let your child look after this mentally ill person? Yeah, that was, uh, you wouldn't leave a child um, with a person that sick. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I should say, the sister is Zelda, played by Andrew Hubatsky. Yeah, Hubatsky. A man? Yeah, a man, yes, he's a man. I never yeah. ever knew that a man. I thought that was a woman just with some creepy-ass mask and makeup on, because I've got written down, the actress playing Zelda deserves an award. She frightened the shit out of me. Mm. And the man, so we'll just grab that out. <laughs> but wow. A, yeah, yeah. Because apparently Mary Lambert wanted two girls aged 10 to pull the part but she said or rather the studio says no because that would be too cute to have little girls so they hired a man under heavy makeup to play this bizarre wow. skeletal insane mm-hmm. person so that would have that one basically they've done the exact same thing in black christmas the original remake the 2006 yes. remake that's a man playing yeah i know i know that with a man so mm, mm. Mm. So anyway, like I say, the parents leave young Rachel, who's played by Elizabeth Urich, that's her fucking name, who chokes to death as Rachel just stands there. Did she deliberately kill her, or was it an accident? It was definitely an accident, but I think she she (laughs) just kind of, I'm actually between, almost pity, but... um, Wanting her to almost a mixture between wanting her out of pain and wanting to not have to look after her anymore. She wasn't exactly mm. get her help. But yeah. I felt at some point him Zelda kind of delighted in seeing how, you know, uneasy she was to be around her. Mm-hmm. So is she supposed to be like a teenager then? Like She's a, a young early teens, yeah. Mm, okay, okay, okay. And spot that creepy ass painting of the little boy in the blue dress shirt with the top yep. hat and the cane and that funky looking grey cat. Hello, foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, so then it cuts to Lewis hugging her and he tells her outright that the parents were to blame for leaving their insane daughter with her as they fucked off for a weekend, which is true. That is yeah. bad parenting. Yeah, you don't leave you don't leave a a, a teenager or a, a preteen to look after someone with that many health issues. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are bad parents. Yeah, he is. The, the the father has a cheek 
to punch uh, Lewis in the face at his own son's funeral. I'm going, you're a fucking arsehole. Push you to cheek to have a go at him. You're a yeah, fucking exactly. terrible parent yourself, you fucking asswipe. But moving on. Moving on. So the next day, the family are flying kites, as you do. It was the 80s, I suppose. Well. And some fat trucker runs over a cage. And I don't get this, by the way. It's supposed to be, what, December? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's gloriously bright, sunny, and the grass is fresh and new, and the trees are still green now going, really, in Maine yeah, in fucking be, December? Yeah, and they can bear to be outside for longer than five minutes. Mm. You know, I think, mm. And this guy runs over cage. I love the fact how there's a, there's a straight road, and you can see around the corner, and there's no things covering the road at all. It's pure straight right down the road, and he still flattens this kid. I'm going, you're a fucking arsehole. You saw that kid from at least a quarter mile away. Why didn't you pull the brakes error, you fucking idiot? Exactly. Oh, dear God. Oh, by the way, I love the fact how Cage is just like Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> did you catch that? No. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> I also got down here, Ellie is being a little brat as per usual, as she bitches and whines that Cage is flying the kite. She calls him a numb shit. Yeah. I'm going... I was like, I'm sorry if I spoke about any of my siblings like that. Yeah, you got bitch slapped. Who's my mother? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for God's sake. And all the fact how this, all this is... To, to, the, the, the reason why Cage gets hit is because Ellie's a whiny little brat. She's the tension of three adults on her. Yet yeah. this little toddler run off going, look at me, daddy, I'm flying a kite, daddy. And boom, he gets whacked by the by the, 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 the 18-wheeler. And all the shoe yeah. just spinning in the air as it lands on the on the ground. And of course we have Dr. Lewis going, no! I'm going, oh, God, is that the best you've got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I blame her. I blame Ellie for her, <laughs> her brother's death because, let's face it, she's doing the classic thing that older siblings do, and that is she is trying to get everyone's attention. So they're all looking at her and not looking at the younger one. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's what I've wrote. I've wrote down here two Two things caused this. One, Lewis being a complete twat and not putting up a fence. And two, mm. Ellie being a little brat and distracting all the adults because she's a selfish little bitch and she wants their attention. Mm-hmm. So there we have that one. Although, thank, thankfully, we don't see Cagey's body, you know, as it gets flattened by this 18-wheeler. You know, we just see the shoe. Thankfully, yeah, which is mm. um, a bit of pity. Um, from King on her because uh, anybody else would have showed us the, the works like he did with Pascal mm. we've seen mm. everything so <laughs> thankfully he didn't with the Although, with how's, how, how does he describe it in the book? oh right now you're asking no, my book isn't to hand and for me to go get it I need to leave the room so but it it's almost in the same way, you know, it's just, it's almost, I, don't, I can't read it word for word, obviously, I don't have it to hand, but it's almost a case of he runs off and then we are reading about why they're all looking at her, and then we, the next time we know he's just kneeling on the road screaming, so, mm, okay. you know. Okay. Uh, 
again, like we, like I said at the start, it's almost page for page, you know, sentence by sentence, book to movie with this one. Mm, okay, because okay. In, in the book Doctor Sleep, he gets into graphic detail as one of the uh, true not kill, uh, I think it's an eight-year-old uh, baseball player. And wow. it gets into detail how they, 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 they cut off his balls and slice out his guts and play with his guts and all that stuff and, and make him have an excruciating pain before finally killing him. I'm going, King, that is fucking disgusting. You know? Yeah, that's a bit messed up. It's mm. graphic detail as how these torture this poor little boy as he's screaming in agony and then they finally put me his misery. I'm going, oh, that's a bit much, but mm. moving on. It cuts to Lewis flicking through pictures of Cage as a baby. And I'm going, wait a minute here, is this kid supposed to be two or three? Because they have the picture of, of, of uh, Michael Hughes with a cake that has three on it. Yes. So is he one, two or three? You know? No, he's three. Yeah, the re- in reality, I'm talking in the movie. No, in, say- in the movie, he's three as well, but he's just, um, the, the, almost the way they make him act, until he opens his mouth and says a, a few words, he, they, they make him act a, a, like a much younger child. Mm, mm. I mean, I don't know many three-year-olds that are still carried about in nappy. Yes, and diapers for American listeners. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't get that myself. I'm going, what age is he supposed to be? He's supposed to be one, two, or three? Because there's a dropped line earlier where I'm pretty sure Rachel says he's one. So, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Definitely was doing the book. And like you said, mm-hmm. that can, there's a picture of him with his third birthday candle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, his third birthday, sorry, with three candles in the cake. So... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, okay, fair enough. Then. And Judd comes downstairs telling Lewis Rachel has finally asleep after he gave her volume. What the fuck? He doped her up. Yeah, I wouldn't be best pleased to someone with her way doping up my wife. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, I don't know. And then it, later on, Lewis tells her, oh, take another volume. There's another one here, love. So he's going to keep her doped up for how long? Yeah. Mm. Deal with the grief, deal with the pain sort of thing. You can't just dope her up constantly yeah. because she's sad. Yeah, I think if, the, if we're trying to deal with grief, and I suppose some people still deal with it now, they try and block it out through a way, but it's probably just going to be healthier for her in their marriage if he lets her cry, scream, shout, ball, do whatever she has to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over the stages of... of Oh, what is it this nine stages of grief or eight stages of grief and a stage of grief that is? You know I mean, you well, just it depends. Can't... It depends. It depends it, um, purely depends on a the person and b the relation you were to the person that died. For me, person, mm-hmm. hundred and ten. You <laughs> no, know, that's true. depending who it was, you know. But... Yes, and unsurprisingly, Ella comes down the stairs with attention-seeking photograph because she's a little fucking bitch. Mm. I would have fucking grounded this little bitch until she's at least 21 do you know that saying it's your fault you killed your your little brother because you're a selfish little fucking whiny yeah. brat just shut up exactly what was she says this is a picture of 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 cage in a little wagon why can't god bring him back he took him off a roll oh for fuck's sake yeah and he's um yeah she's shouting about i don't want to sleep with mummy all she's doing is crying it's like well boo her love but she's just She's just lost her son, so you know, stop the attention seeing that for a minute and 
you know, mm. kind of cute. You're walking about with a picture of you and your brother, but shouting about why you're going to hold on to it until the day God gives them back and have an amateur for a, a girl at your age. Mm, I had no idea. Anyway, so it cuts to Cage's funeral. As Rachel's father has a go at Lewis, blaming him for his grandson's death. He calls him a child killer and punches him on the face, which sends him flying onto the coffin as Cagey's body flies out the coffin. Now, for a moment... No, the lid just flaps up. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Get, they don't have screws in them. Um, so the lid just kind of um, flaps up and you can see his, his arm flapping about in the coffin. So, all right, I thought that he actually rolled out the coffin. And then the coffin. No, no, no. The coffin lid fell back down. Right, right. Okay, okay, fair enough. But my point being, who starts a fight at a bloody funeral? You do that after the funeral, you know? Yeah, not you know in the bloody church, but yeah, I know. And who's that? You know, whether you like the man or not, uh, like this this man watched his son die. Uh, like mm. you know, show a little bit of compassion, give it you know a week, and then go right. Hold on a minute. I need to ask, why the hell were you not watching them on that road? What does he say to him? Is he something about, this is your fault? I said... Yeah, what, he, he shout, what What were you doing while he was playing on the road? And no, no, no. no. He said something quite even nastier than that. about, at your wedding, I said you were going to have grief and misery, but who knew it was going to come this fast? I'm like, well, you're a fucking asshole, mate. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, fair enough, yes, blame Lewis for not putting out a fence or fighting to get speed bumps or a speed sign up or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. or going to the, the 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 mayor and go get a fucking fence up in this place. Da, 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 da. But you know, hello, don't do at the fucking funeral for crying out yeah, Exactly, pull him aside afterwards and go. I hold you responsible. At the very least, you should have been teaching him the danger of going anywhere near that home, mm-hmm. from the, that road, from the second you moved in. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I mean. Also, I have to say, The Undertaker did a cracking job with Keiji's body, because sure the fuck that would be mangled to an inch of its life, but all Keiji has... Yeah, that, that hand looked in the... That hand looked happened pretty normal. I mean, you've, he's, he's got one little scar on his mm. forehead, and that's it. I'm yeah. going, really? What did you fucking chucky his face up to fuck? He'd be like stapled over the body place, you know? I mean, but moving on... Let's go down here. Who the fuck has a fist fight at a funeral? This is piss poor writing, and this dialogue is terrible. I've got down here. Yeah, it, it, it just feels like it was almost like it was an afterthought, not by Stephen King. We obviously know Stephen King wrote it because A is mm. in the book, and B he was he was more involved in the production of the film than he'd been with any movie. Um, well, pretty so, much, yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Um. But. Yeah, it almost feels like it, this part wasn't written by King. It just feels mm. like it was just the added in. Mm, okay then, fair enough, fair enough. And so to go back home, as Lois tucks in early, she asks, Daddy, can God give me back Cage? And Lois says, yes, I'm going, what the fuck? So now you believe in heaven and God? Whereas <laughs> when, when another person died, you're like, no, she's a ghost. Yeah. I'm going, oh, wait, what? Oh my God, this is just... Bad writing. This is where the movie falls pieces to me, for, to be honest. Yeah. It sort of starts to crumble after mm-hmm. this bit because I'm going, this is kind of badly written. I mean, mm. yeah, it's almost this, this movie is uh, fairly uh, 
it's great in the beginning, but from the middle onward, it loses its pacing, and it's the same with the book. Once Cage is dead, the book goes really slow and really depressing, and it drags on, and so does the movie. Mm, okay, okay, fair enough then. Oh, actually, does it, does it actually drag? Something's going... Mm. What's going on here? This was pretty solid for the first half. The second half is just fogged to absolute yeah. fucking pieces. But yeah. maybe it's just me being a harsh critic. But no, the book, thought... that, the book is exactly the same, and I felt exactly the same way watching it, going, I forgot after this little boy just died this drag for a bit, and then it's like, it's almost like that thing that you get in some movies where it's almost like the rush to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And start happening again quickly yeah mind you king is terrible for endings so mm. there is that i guess anyway so back to this thing lewis goes into the bedroom and finds church is sitting on rachel's chest was that trying to suck her soul i think it was this cat is now a zombie cat so yes a demonic killed, zombie cat. Yeah, a demonic a killer. So I don't suppose it was doing the thing that cats do when they sleep on your chest with it wanting heat and it has saying they're comfortable with you. I mm-hmm. think it was more a sign of, you know, I mean, he I've was sharpening the cloth and waiting for the door to close. Yeah, yeah. Have you, you seen Cat's Eye? Yes. Yes. Was he doing what the cat was doing in that? Or rather, the troll was doing in that? Sucking the life force out of Rachel? You know, so see, I see it as like that, or him just, you know, biding his time until he hello mother, and then you know he probably attack her. Mm. So much later that night, Judd lets himself into into the house as Lewis is drinking, and he says to him, "Maybe that's why Cage is dead." What a fucking absolute awful thing to say to him. I'm like, you're a what fucking old prick. Why? Because before that, we haven't known the father to be a heavy drinker. No, no, they had, like, what, two or three beers? Yeah. And that was it. I'm going, you're a fucking prick. Mm. That's, that's a complete evil thing to say. Therefore, he is an evil spirit sort of thing, or evil angel sort of thing. Mm. So, mm. he also tells him, don't bury your son in the burial mounds. He will come back. And then he tells him the story of how in the 40s, a man called Timothy Batterman was buried there, and he came back as pure evil. <laughs> What's going yeah. on? God. After killing and eating a child, the man, so the men folk, burned down the house, killing the zombie. And here is the immortal line for this movie. Sometimes, did it is better. You know? And I'm going, why the fuck did you show Lois these burial grounds then, if you don't have to bury the fucking child? Why did you put it in his head to bury the church, the cat? So, are you actually an evil entity? You know? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it is a good question, and most people do take that view. Again, I see it as a case of he, he's the one that he, he's not. I take it he's the good guy because, let's face it, he he showed them that Tomo it was meant to be right. Your child isn't ready to be in death, but it'll also be a warning. But yeah, then planting the idea in their head mm-hmm. to put people up there is to a man that. Uh, just buried the child and very very vulnerable it's yes. not the conversation you should have been having at that no. moment exactly. uh, it could have definitely waited I've got down here is he an angel of darkness I don't think he's an angel of anything I think he's just one of the old time folk that have been there for since you know seen it been there done it seen it all and he's mm. just 
but it's just the he's almost not grasped when the appropriate thing to say something. Mm, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I've got down here. Rachel leaves to go to the airport and she takes Ellie with her to stay with her parents, leaving Lewis all alone to deal with Cagey's death. What a bitch move that is. So fucking yeah. wife she is. I mean, mm. the kid's dead, what, less than 24 hours and she fucks off to her, her big family's got, mansion. Yeah, she goes, well, I'm off home, I can't cope. And it's like, yeah, what about him? Mm. Mm, such a bitch. And here Ellie tells the grandfather she's a nightmare of Cage and also some guy called Pax Cow. I'm going, really? I was going, also got down here, remember Pascal? He's back! Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, cut to that night as Lewis is drunk digging up Cagey's body. As you do. <laughs> Although I have to say, this scene where he digs up um, Cage and just sits there holding him before he decides really that right, he's going to commit and bury him up in the ending, bury him and see if he does reanimate. It really, it's quite, it's one of the most harrowing scenes in the movie. I, for me personally, I think it all, it always just hit me every time I see it. Okay, okay. For me, I just felt, what is this movie doing? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I was going, this is tender, sweet, but mm. ultimately, no. Put the thing, put the kid back in a box and fucking rebury it. Yeah. sort of thing and move on with your life because what are you supposed to do with a fucking three-year-old demon <laughs> you exactly. know i mean god almighty i've got down here so pascal is an angel of light what the fuck was he doing playing with himself for crying out loud why is he he disappears for like half the movie and then <laughs> reappears so oh my god as pascal warns him don't bury cage in the burial grounds yeah mate he's gonna listen to you as he's drunk yeah, you know, yeah, so, right. mm, mm. I love the fact how he, he says to him, don't bury him in the burial grounds, he'll go back as evil. <laughs> and with that, he's got a smile on his face and disappears. Yeah, and he what? says, and he only are, well, if he does, I can uh, put him back to sleep. And it's like, you know, you're not rocking a, a baby to sleep here. Mm. I think he meant sleep as in death, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly they, he meant that, but I just don't the way he, he said it so nonchalantly that it was a case of made me think. Well, hold on a minute, you won't be walking a baby back to sleep here. You'll be killing the demon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back at the grandparents' house, Ellie has a nightmare, screaming about Pascal. It was not a dream. He's a an angel i'm going oh sorry a good ghost i'm going oh for fuck's sake uh she tells him so she tells her mother pascal says she has warned lewis multiple times to not to do something stupid and that lewis has buried cage so is he a good ghost to warn him or is he an actual evil spirit also as all this just to- i see him uh he, he's not completely evil, but he's not completely good either, because again, he's the one that for plants the seed into, you know, he's the one that first he points out there's something beyond the pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. So, I see him, you know, he's kind of, kind of on the sound line, he's got his moment where he's very, he's the temp truth and he's putting ideas and and uh, lower his mind and time, but at the same time, you, 
he has moments where he is genuinely trying to warn them, like, you're not going to like the outcome of that, don't do it. That's mm, true. I mean, doesn't he kind of protect Rachel when she gets picked up by the trucker as yeah. a sort of guardian? And he goes, I can't go any further. I must leave now and just disappears. I'm going, mm. some help you are, you fucking prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I mean, if if um, the ghost of Zelda can interact with Rachel, why couldn't he? You know? Exactly. You're breaking your own rules there, King. So. But then could it be that the ghost of Zelda has got a deeper connection to Rachel? Than what Pascal, who Rachel wouldn't know who he is. Possibly, possibly, yes, that's that's very true. Very true. I mean, because all she knows is Pascal came out of Ellie's imagination. It could be a imaginary friend. It could be yeah. the way she's dealing with Cagey's death. So that's but that's fair enough. Yeah. You know. You know. Um. So cut back to Lewis. It takes him all fucking day to dig up a freshly dug grave. Really, mate? The ground should still be soft from when they were. They dug up the the grave earlier, so why is it all day to dig up the fucking body? Yeah, it shouldn't have compacted down by uh, now. So, you know. And here is more terrible acting, as he picks out the the dead body of the coffin and hugs it. I'm going, that's a little creepy, but I get where King was going with it, and I get where you're going with it as a character, but it's kind of more creepy because it's a it's a stone cold dead body. Yeah, you know? and dead bodies don't feel like, you know, a cold human does. The, yes, yes. You know, also, while I'm at it, the fucking police car drives past that open grave and doesn't investigate it, it just drives on. Yeah. Lazy bastard, you know? Like, shouldn't they be going, why is that, why is that open and why is he sitting there looks like he's cuddling something? Well, technically, no, 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 he jumped into the grave before... The camera, uh, the the car drove past. Ah, so he did, yeah, but what? still, yeah, why shouldn't he? I know. Uh, then we cut back to Rachel, who's getting attacked by the vengeful ghost of Zelda, and this is where the overacting goes into overdrive. <laughs> yeah. This acting is abysmal. Oh mm. my god, the, the acting is terrible. So is she actually seeing the actual physical ghost, or is it all in her mind? Is it Pascal giving her this psychic power thing? What is going on here? I think it's in a mind, but again, that he's king, so God mm. knows. I don't. I think we all see this part differently. Personally, I think it's all she's seen it all in a mind. But you know, what did you think? though? did you think it was in a mind, or that she was physically seen? I don't know because there's a bit later later on where Lewis goes into Judd's house and finds all the place like swampy. And it cuts and it's all back to normal as Cage is laughing, giggling laugh. I'm going, what is happening here? Mm. What, what is going on? Is this all in his mind? Is he having a nightmare? Is he dying? Um, I don't know. I so, that Cage had demon and can, you know, manipulate these things so they mm. could be uh, not so much in their mind. It's just almost that Cage is in their mind and making them see what he wants them to see. I suppose, suppose to, I mean, that would be actually it would have been interesting if Judd actually told more of this reason why the the knickknack or micmac or whatever the fuck the fucking Indians were called left the burial ground in the first place. He yeah. just says the ground went sour. Why did it go sour? You know. Mm. I mean. Oh yeah. God. It cuts to Rachel who's sitting on a plane just like that. One minute she got attacked of her sister, next minute she's on the plane. That's bad editing. That's very bad editing. 
Yeah, she's all alone. So I take it the grandparents are watching the little brat then. I imagine they are. Mm. Because she's never mentioned ever again. They just drop her like a fucking hot toy. So, hmm. So the plane lands and Rachel rushes through the airport to get a connecting flight. Uh, okay then. As back with Lewis, he has now buried Cage in the burial mound. So he got from the actual graveyard to the the Micmac burial grounds in about 20 minutes then. Even yeah, though it took him all day. Him all day, I know. Mm, yeah, that, that's bad writing and or editing, you know. Mm. So Rachel has Pascal following her, giving her help. I'm going... Really, he can now interfere with the actual world. The whole bit where, oh, with no higher cars, what about that car with scratch on the side? Oh, there's a car with scratch on the side. So he can now interfere with the actual world then. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what, what is his powers? What is the powers of the demons? What's the power of what, what is going on here? Again, which is why I, I wonder if he's the representation of death throughout the movie. Could be. It could be. So Rachel hires a beat-up car, which breaks down unsurprisingly so she crashes in a ditch and just dumps it there you know, <laughs> you it, you know? yeah uh, not a smart thing to do love this is rural Maine angel or not you're fucked <laughs> you absolutely know? there's no way you're walking away from that unscathed yeah I mean she just dumps it inside the road I'm going sweetheart you know for a fact there's fucking 80 wheelers barreling down this road at upteens miles an hour and yeah. you're just going to dump that car there and walk along the road you fucking idiot I mean I know oh my god I've got down here why not use your cell phone oops it's 89 the cell phones weren't even the size of brick by this point oh, I don't know I mean uh, moving on moving on mm-hmm. I also got down here Angel of Light, Pascal, why are you happy she crashed? Because hmm. I don't think it's Angel of Light. I think it's just death. Okay then. Okay then. Fair enough then. Fair enough. So Lewis has now buried Cage under a pile of rocks. He doesn't even fucking bury the kid. He just puts the rocks on top of the, the body and walks off. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, he then heads I- back home. Yeah, because I thought the power was me. Sorry, I was just going to say, I thought the power only, the power of the power in the ground only worked when they were in the ground, not mm. on top of it, you know? Yeah, true, true, true. Oh, so I think I was going to bring up earlier. I just remembered that there. In the house, in Rachel's parents' house, does she say she's going to sell the house and move back to Chicago? Were they having a divorce? Was this the final straw? Or was she just fed up there and going to sell the house from under him? Actually, I missed that part. I need to go back and re-watch a movie. Mm. Not mm. sure. Okay then. Okay then. Okay Again, then. this is what we were saying earlier. The, uh, the, the parents in there have played like they are completely... The whole tension between them. Mm. I have they were, they were maybe just all together for the sake of their young children together. And all mm. the love was gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I was going, if you're going to divorce your husband after his only son was killed, yeah, that's a cold, bitchy move right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's shocking. And she seems very happy and gleeful about the fact, oh, we're going to go back here and sell up shop. I'm like, you're a bitch. So, I mean, it's not uncommon for the death of a marriage, uh, sorry, the death of a child to 
frightening all the death of a marriage as well. So especially if that child was abandoned, you know. Yeah. But moving on. So Lewis returns home and so exhausted he falls on his bed asleep and just conked out. So that night, little Cage returns from the grave. He's now an undead, demonic, zombie child. Yep. Cage is now inside the house with his Hellcat church. He sneaks into his father's bedroom, but doesn't kill his father. Hello, he's lying there, unconscious, stabbing a neck, he dead. What yeah. the fuck? Um, he goes across the road to kill Judden's dead. Why? Yeah, that didn't make sense to me either. Mm. You know, he wouldn't be thinking like a rational human, so like a rational... He wouldn't be thinking the same way about his father, the same way he thought about him before him. He met the truck head on, so why is there almost that... almost like that um, son son to father, love him, hold on a minute, I can't kill my father? Mm, Exactly. Now... I read somewhere online that apparently Mary Lambert wanted Dale Midkiff to be naked in that bed, lying face down, because her rationality was he would have been soaking wet and disgusting from burying the the body, so he shipped naked to lie on the bed. I'm going, really, love, get a vibrator. Exactly. Really? You know, you were going to put a toddler in that same man? Precisely. That was my mother's point. He's a three-year-old toddler. And you have, uh, what was he, 30 at the time? You know, naked man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Dale Midkiff was 30. He was 30. Yeah, he was 30 when this was made. And she thought that would have been perfectly normal and right just to have him Mm. naked. I mean... the uh, toddler walks in. I don't know. I've been... Come on, get a grip. I have no idea. But moving on. So Judd sees little muddy footprints and falls him into his bedroom where under the bed, Cage slices open his ankle and then rips open his mouth and bites into his throat. I'm like, for a kid that's been pancaked for 18 wheeler, this is a spry little bastard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You know what he's like? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's, um, he's definitely not lost his touch, his touch although he was a flat of a pancake. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've also done here, for a kid that's been pancaked by an 18-wheeler that actually caused it to jackknife and flip, he has one little scar on his head. That's impressive. Um, embalming? Yeah, embalming. Yeah, well, embalming. Yeah, fucking embalming. Yeah. Next to die is Mummy Dearest. As she's dropped off outside Judd's house, she hears Zelda calling ghostly to go inside as she does. Where Cage is waiting, but not before a cheap jump scare as Zelda bum rushes her. She stands there with her jaw hanging open. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, Run. exactly. It's like, yeah, that, that's the moment you'd be uh, running right out of there and mm. don't go back. And the acting is terrible. You mm. know, the acting is just... A, I've got down here... The acting is cheese with a slice of ham. <laughs> Absolutely. It is terrible. Oh, my God. So Cage comes down the stairs dressed as the painting, top hat and all, yep. and kills Rachel, who has... By the way, how the fuck did he kill her? It's off green, so I don't actually know. Mm. 
Because Stabba one, they didn't stab her with a with a cane. I have no idea how she died. Because when when Lewis buries her and she goes back as a zombie, her face is like missing, the eyeballs missing, the yeah. part of the cheeks missing, and she was hung from the the the. the yeah. So I'm going. Yeah. What killed her? You know. Mm. Where was it? So Lewis awakes up for his nightmare, as he gets a, a telephone call from Cage, who says. First I played with mommy, now I want to play with you. <laughs> and I'm going, you creepy little bastard. Yeah, um, that line made every hair on my body stand on the edge. It was just not nice at all. The, the, the fairly adorable little actor and that, you know, relatively adorable child voice saying that, you were like, right, no, that's it. Mm, yeah, I was like, okay, I think I'll change my underwear now. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know, I think I'll stop watching this. Um, oh, do you know I think I'm too old for these movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so going over, arm with a needle full of unnamed drugs. He takes out church by injecting it in the ass with unnamed drugs. And apparently, this was 17 takes to get this fucking cat to eat this pork chop. And apparently, she got all day to film <laughs> was like for Bloody hell. I mean cats oh. do what they want when they want mm-hmm. I was, I'll go down here now to take on a toddler from hell no, oh. no naughty step for you <laughs> <laughs> I mean you could put them in a naughty step you just need to have one of those bear claw things mm. yeah, yeah true. Them there. true so Lewis enters the house finding the walls coated in slime and moss and dripping into the floor was it wax melting to the floor mm. what the fuck was going on here so is this all in his head or is this actually happening again i can't tell if the he um gauge that can physically materialize these things he's no longer human he's a demon or as a as he projecting the images into his father's head again mm. making him see what he wants him to see yeah, you know yeah, true True, true, very, very true. Oh, he just, or the, or the Lewis just um, hallucinating with mm. all the, everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's, it's unclear. As for much of, of King's writing, it's unclear. Mm. When he wants it to be vague, it's vague. But oh, if he wants okay. to go into graphic details, he will go into graphic fucking mm. details. But there we have that one. Uh, so he continues to follow Gage's giggling voice. That voice and that little giggle was creepy as fuck, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's they like, definitely got the right child to do that, didn't they? Mm, mm. And he finds Judd's body with half his jaw eaten off and his neck rip open. I'm like, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then he hears the little <laughs> or laugh, what the hell laugh was, from the attic and he comes flying out the attic. I was on the floor howling with laughter. Like, that's oh. just ridiculous. <laughs> you know? I could not move for fucking laughing at that. I've got down here uh, the son attacks the father. I've got down here, you mean the fucking doll? That looks so fake. I'm going, yeah, you just oh. know that they had dolls through from off camera. Mm-hmm. I love the fact how Lewis is so shocked that Cage is slicing what with the, 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 the scalpel thing, like stabbing his face, ripping at his forehead, stabbing him in the guts and stabs him in the shoulder. I'm going, hello, fight back. I mean, yeah, yes, it's a, uh-huh. it's a child, but it's armed. Take the fucking knife out of the kid's grasp and throw it away. But 
moving on. So Lewis pulls another uh, needle full of unnamed drugs and injects Cage in the neck as Cage's last spots are no fair, Daddy, no fair, and runs off and just dies. Yeah, he follows him and then he just growls, growls at his father and then die. Mm. Like, wow. And at what point does does Rachel fall from this uh, the the attic? I have no idea. I know she's still hanging there when uh, Gage walks by her saying, "No fair, Daddy, no fair." Mm, okay, okay. So with that, he burns down the house and unhangs Rachel. He then takes her all the way to the burial grounds and buries her. She then returns later at night with half her face missing and stabs him in the back with a butcher's knife. As you do. <laughs> um, I was going, you're going to kiss that woman with no eye and pouring <laughs> with disgusting liquids and you still Everybody, go... Everybody's idea is beautiful. It's completely different. Mm, yeah, true. True, that's, that's very true. Do you think he did that deliberately because he knew she would come back and kill him? It was almost like his <sighs> way of, It was almost like sort of a suicide in a way. Possibly, yes, because although I'm saying that... Well, yes, because that would actually lead more credence to the fact he couldn't stand Ellie, mm. you know? So, yeah. Mm, yeah, Ellie's now with the rich grandparents, so yeah. fuck you, I'm with my... Or even if he did, you know, even if he did love his daughter, he probably thought she's probably going to be better off with them anyway. A, they've got the money, and B, after all this shit, I'm not going to be in any mental state to look after her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what happens in the book? Does Rachel bury Lewis and just come back as a zombie? Or what happens? Um, The book ends at this point I'm pretty sure I see because in the remake I looked it out for this seeing how I picked it knowing fine well I've got the book and read it um, but I'm pretty sure it ends there mm. or it's just a case of he buries her she comes back and kills him but it doesn't say what they do with him because mm. in the remake it shows you um, what the daughter dies not Cage and the daughter kills the mother and then buries the mother who goes back and kills the father who buries the father he goes back to go after the son so where did that ah, they're for creating an army yeah they're creating an army of, of undead zombies yeah so anyway so that was Pit Cemetery. uh okay then far too many flashbacks I, I don't get the flashbacks the effects are uh you know mm. um the acting is way over the fucking top. I'm sorry, but the acting is just ridiculous. The cat and Cage steal the entire fucking show I've wrote down here. Yeah. Lewis is a fucking idiot, however. He should have fucking fixed that fence, you know, mm-hmm. and no zombies. I mean, for fuck's sake, you shit. Um, Judd, is he an angel of darkness, angel of light? What was Pascal? Were the angels? Were they just entities just playing with with um, Lewis's mind, uh, I have no idea. I mean, what do you say? I mean, I, I, for me personally, I feel with this movie, King is forcing us to almost question our our faith and belief and how we all deal with grief. Because let's face it, this is a movie about grief at the core. You know, the grieving the cat, the grieving the child, 
Judd is grieving his dog from about 60 years ago and his mm -hmm. wife. Um, but, you know, as an actual movie, uh, one of King's works that travel from book to screen almost, and I say almost effortlessly, the only thing letting it down for me is the pacing. You know, we start off pretty good. You think you're in for a pretty, half, a pretty good movie. And then from the minute uh, Gage dies, it slows right down again. So it does probably until about the minute uh, Gage kills Judd and then it speeds up. I mm. mean, there's too many unanswered questions from, for me in there. Not to say that I don't like this movie. I, I do. I wouldn't have picked it otherwise. But... Uh, you know, it's pretty, if you think of other movies from the 80s, other horror movies, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. So, um, so I don't know. It's got some really great scares in it. But, again, the acting hit and miss. Mm. You know, I think if it wasn't for Fred going, then I I, I wouldn't even consider the, the movie a King classic. Mm. I mean, let's put You say that. Kings, this is a Kings classic, right? By this time, we already had The Shining, we had Carrie, we had Christine, we had Cat's Eye, we had we the had first. It. Well, that wasn't that was 1990. So mm. I'm talking about movie-wise, I'm talking about we had uh, Children of the Corn, you know. Mm. Yeah. But by this by this time, King's name was turning a bit into shit, you know, because then you had It, which was a supposed to be his, his greatest thing out there uh to be fair uh, then we have the stand tommy knockers you know the langoliers then we have the mist and such so i'm going mm -hmm. it's going downhill fast so maybe the shine is, is or the bloom is coming off of king's rose by now i mean i know more people overlook this because again like you say by the point king name more you know Worth as much as you or I name everybody write a book and put one name on mm. it. Um, but you know the history. If you look at all the King work, the he, you know, it counts as a classic to me because it travels from book to screen. You know, perfectly. You can follow it. Okay, the habit, and it, it make you scratch your head and go, "What the fuck? Who who kept mm. that in?" But we do that that's, with everyone. Yeah, that's, that's very true. You know? That's very, very true. So let's score this out of five. One being dog shit and five being solid gold. So what'd you give it? I'm giving it a... Okay, I'm giving it a four. Okay then, okay then, okay then. I'm going to give this thing a generous... What? Two? two? Yeah, two. Mm. One, two. Because this just falls to pieces for me on the latter half of the movie. It, yeah doesn't work and the acting yeah. is just terrible by from dale midkiff i mean all he is is a pretty boy and a good body that's it yeah. he is just a plank of wood i mean his oh, acting God, is yeah, terrible so much better to play dr creed mm. so, mm. uh, so they could have but yeah so i'm going to give this thing a generous two one yeah. two um, i was in between three and four if i'm honest again uh, this whole second half of the movie is a letdown compared to what we had dealt with mm -hmm. in the 
<laughs> but you know, I was called. I, I gave it a four purely because if you take the whole concept of what the the pelvic director was trying to achieve, and you just mm. don't look at the don't look at the actor playing Lou, then you know what? It, you know, it it almost reaches there. It doesn't quite, but you know, it almost gets to what she was trying. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I reckon this this script needed a once over. You know, at least we quick polish. And you need a more seasoned director in the chair. Because, like I said, she's a music video director. So maybe she can have the the yeah. knowledge to pull maybe, the thing off. Maybe best not to jump straight back straight in with King for your first mm. ever movie. Yes, Definitely. yes. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that was the end of Pit Cemetery. Now, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Two Geeks Pod. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Geeks Talk Movies. Also, email us movie suggestions to Two Geeks Talk Movies at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, and you can follow Joanne at Two Geeks Joanne. Okay, then. Right, and then our next movie, all I can say is. Welcome to my nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for Freddy? Yes, we're looking at Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. So that should be fun. Uh, The 3D fad given Freddy's Dead. Oh, sweet mother. And I haven't seen this in a very long time, so that will be like watching it all over again. Yes, yeah, this will be fun. I've not seen this in a good while either, but yeah, yeah, I must dig out the VHS so I can have the 3D. <laughs> you know. Oh, God. And anyway, like I says, that's the end of this one. So don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Uh, bye. And remember, I don't want to be buried anywhere near Pet Cemetery. Bye. Bye.